from Watership Down by Richard Adams. The full moon, well risen in a cloudless eastern sky, covered the high solitude with its light. We are not conscious of daylight as that which displaces darkness. Daylight, even when the sun is clear of clouds, seems to us simply the natural condition of the earth and air. When we think of the downs, we think of the downs in daylight, as we think of a rabbit with its fur on. Stubbs may have envisioned the skeleton inside the horse, but most of us do not, and we do not usually envisage the downs without daylight, even though the light is not a part of the down itself, as the hide is part of the horse itself. We take daylight for granted. But moonlight is another matter. It is inconstant. The full moon wanes and returns again. Clouds may obscure it to an extent to which they cannot obscure daylight. Water is necessary to us, but a waterfall is not. Where it is to be found, it is something extra, a beautiful ornament. We need daylight, and to that extent it is utilitarian. But moonlight we do not need. When it comes, it serves no necessity. It transforms. It falls upon the banks and the grass, separating one long blade from another, turning a drift of brown frosted leaves from a single heap to innumerable flashing fragments, or glimmering lengthwise along wet twigs as though light itself were ductile. Its long beams pour, white and sharp, between the trunks of trees, their clarity fading as they recede into the powdery, misty distance of beech woods at night. In moonlight, two acres of coarse, bent grass, undulant and ankle-deep, tumbled and rough as a horse's mane, appear like a bay of waves, all shadowy troughs and hollows. The growth is so thick and matted that even the wind does not move it, but it is the moonlight that seems to confer stillness upon it. We do not take the moonlight for granted. It is like snow or like the dew on a July morning. It does not reveal but changes what it covers, and its low intensity, so much lower than that of daylight, makes us conscious that it is something added to the down to give it, for only a little time, a singular and marvelous quality that we should admire while we can, for soon it will be gone again. This is Gothic. Welcome, Sojourners, back to the Gothic Podcast. Uh, tonight, we have with us uh, our regular folk, um, Sharon. Howdy doody. Hey, Sharon. And Jesse. Hello, hello, hello. And our apparently permanent guest voice, <laughs> Richard. Our, our regular irregular. Our regular permanent irregular. Richard the Immortal. <laughs> there can be only Carl one. the Undying. Put that on your business card. Richard the Immortal. I mean, it, it's pretty good. Yeah. We um we haven't had a chat about for a while, so I thought I'd um, break in and and like you know check in and see what everybody's been up to. So what have you been up to, Sharon? Um, we started in person service again uh, at the winery. We're at twenty five percent capacity still. 
we are apparently going to get a bar back, so that has yet to happen, but we'll uh, we'll see. And uh, Ira and I keep hoping our spouses are getting vaccinated before we are, so we're both kind of tagging along and hoping there's extra doses. But uh, my spouse's was today, and there were not extra doses, so I'm just going to have to wait until I become eligible myself. <laughs> And what about you, Jesse? What's been up in your life? Oh, well, yeah, um, I am eligible, so mine will be scheduled shortly, and those will be taken care of. Um, I have had a couple of nice social distancing gatherings with a couple of other close friends in my theater community, um, so that's been nice. Other than that, mostly just like working like crazy and planning stuff for the future. Cool. Well, Richard, um, I mean, your podcast is coming along. Um, What's going on over there? Uh, yeah, you know, we have, uh, we've got a new campaign coming up here uh, a little bit further down the road. We've got to finish the first one up, uh, but we've been having a lot of fun recording and, uh, and just working on it in, uh, in general. So, uh, yeah, that was really disjointed, but, um, <laughs> I wasn't prepared. I didn't know this was happening right now. Um, no, I mean, uh, it's like everything else. We, our motto is fun first. So as long as we're having a blast, uh, we consider everything successful and that we've been, We've been meeting that goal, so we're super excited. That's a good goal. So yeah, check out the Adventurer's Vault podcast. But for now, it's time for ours. So there we are. On the ass crack of nowhere. Nothing but black trees for miles and no direction to the cabin except the shotgun blast we've just heard. So being intelligent and rational people, we naturally decide to follow the noise. You know, in case Skeen was being murdered by a rabid lumberjack because we're also capable of defending folks from rabid lumberjacks. We stomp in there, bravely announcing our lumberjack slayer presence by sneaking in like little mice. All and I go and peek in the window a little bit. Lights are lit. Nobody inside, living or dead. And I turn. And something moves in the trees, and just then, a shotgun blast out the window right above my head. Alice and I go sprinting off in different directions before we hear Skeen hollering at the things in the woods. So we run inside the house, and actual honest-to-God arrows are flying out the dark like, and we put couches and stuff in front of the windows, and Skeen's like, I heard voices in the woods saying they're going to kill us all. And I'm thinking, Great Uncle Carl's going to outlive us all down in the, there in his nice, quiet hospital bed without being bothered by any creepy supernatural stuff whatsoever. Anyway, there were four of us and only one shotgun. So me and Jason are grabbing the fire poker and grabbing knives from the kitchen and all that. And listen, this is true. This actually happened to me. We look out the windows and there are mofo and shadowy people shapes with torches on the ground out there. I'm like, oh no, you did not. But they're not just people shapes out there, because that wouldn't be spooky enough. No, these mofos are all lumpy and weird looking, and they're shaped wrong. One of them steps forward into the light. And we realize the reason they all look wrong is they're all wearing bunny masks. I kid you not. I kid you not. Rabbit people. Freaking siege of Watership Down out here. Like, ten of them at least. And they're all staring directly at 
us. We left our intrepid and uh, beset-upon inheritors in a tight spot. It was Jason and Gigi and Allison in a cabin in the woods being assaulted by rabbit-masked assailants with torches and bows <laughs> with accompanying arrows, of course. Oh, that's good. I was <laughs> Just bows. <Yeah. laughs> they weren't just going to bludgeon you with the bows, no. Um, they might. I mean, they could do that. And then we left Carl in his hospital room getting untangled from his various cords and cables and such, but then also facing, uh, once again, the spectral form of his perhaps ghostly wife. We don't know what's going on there. So uh, let's let's jump back in, and uh, we're in the cabin. So I believe Jason is in the kitchen, just having glanced out a window, seeing the forms out at the edge of the woods, and Gigi and Allison in the front room were doing the same out a living room window, while uh, Skeen was headed back down the main hallway of the cabin, shotgun blasting away as something or some things came through a window in the back. What do you do? Through the back room window. Sorry. The the singing episode is not <laughs> until season four. You keep tempting me, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do you do, Gigi? I can't recall if I was going to... Uh, if I ended last episode, if I was intending to follow Skeen or stay here in the front room. I don't believe you had uh, designated an action. Yeah, I don't think so either. Before we get into these things, though, I should note for the listeners at home that our tension tracker is on... Uh, tension points are at seven. I have seven tension points that I can use to affect various roles. And because the tension level is currently maxed out at Cthulian levels Super high. at uh, at 15 plus, <laughs> uh, I get to use those tension points that I have, which are seven, uh, on any role that I want. So things could get nasty. Also, I still have a bunch of uh, survival points I can use, too, though Jason had cost me a few last time. Woohoo! Yay! <laughs> So what will it be, Gigi? Uh, follow Skeen? Go to Jason? I think uh, once I realize what's happening, because I didn't see the these rabbit-headed folks until I went into the front room, um, and I think I'm going to have just completely forgotten what I was doing and uh, stay in the front room. And I think probably Gigi would... Um, the, one of the front room windows is like got shot out, right? Like, Yes. Okay. That's the one with the chairs uh, that were piled in front of chairs it. Chairs all stacked up in front. Yeah, I'll um, I'll go over to you know near that one, not standing directly in front of the open area, but like close enough that I can shout out the window, and I'm going to shout at the rabbit-headed people. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, let's see, what am I going to shout? I'm going to shout, uh, uh, no, thank you. We're not interested in joining your little. Uh, dress-up party or cult or whatever is going on out here. We, we're we not interested. We have already been saved and uh, have already all bought vacuum cleaners. A voice comes from outside and says, We are not here to convert you. We are here to make sure that what has happened before 
does not happen again. Family Kane must die. And then a torch comes flying in through that broken window. Oh, great. Can I grab a curtain and smother it immediately? You may roll a protect. Ooh, protect. I got dice out. Here they are. It would help if I had my character sheet. There we go. Protect is... Um, that's a... What is that? I can do math. 11 total. 11 total. That's not good enough, is it? Um, that is that is not good enough. Hmm. And we move our roll tracker down to Sharon. You grab a, a curtain and you like start beating at this uh, torch, but the curtain just like catches on fire. It's just like whoosh. <laughs> and And then those chairs are also catching on fire until that whole side of the room, which is close to the fireplace, ironically... <laughs> But that whole side of the room is just blazing and the heat is boiling off of it. And you can feel uh, the skin on your face tightening from the from the heat as you're still trying to beat at it uh, at the flames with this curtain. So that is actually uh, that was a risky roll. So you lost a survival point. Oh, no. From that. Oh, dear. OK. For those keeping track on your home dead of night trackers, that moves the tension points up to eight. Eight oh, tension no. points. I'm sorry. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> this is so bad. <laughs> There's this, this sense of doom here. Allison, strangely, has been relatively calm through all of this. The things that, that she has dealt with having st- strengthened her up over the past few days. <laughs> and she's like, I- I'm, I'm rich now. I don't want to die here. And she... Also grabs a, a a blanket off of the couch and starts beating at the uh, at the flames, but it just doesn't seem like it's doing anything. In the kitchen, Jason, you hear more glass break in the front room as the torch came through some of the remaining glass that was in the window, and uh, then the crackle of of flames. What do I do? What do you do? <laughs> <laughs> you have to say it, um, Patrick. I, I just hear everything going on. <laughs> yeah, Jason standing there, and uh, the girl from Ipanema is just playing in his head as all this happens. Okay, as I'm, because I had went in there to look for knives and everything, which you found. Yeah, um, I grabbed a couple of the biggest ones, and I was just going to head right back in. Um, so I assume that I would see flying draperies on flames being flung about the room, and. Uh, you had said that everything started catching on fire at that point? Yes. Well, Skeen, we gotta go now, I yell down the hallway. And then I try and start hurting everybody towards the door and moving the wardrobe. All right. Skeen yells back, kind of busy back here. <laughs> and you hear another shotgun blast. There, there are cabinets, right, in the, like, the kitchen? Yeah. Could we, like, wrench cabinet doors off and hold them in front of us like makeshift shields from the uh, arrows as we leave. I'm more concerned with everything on fire at the moment. Yeah, no, but we're going to run out into, like, plain view. We can't hold up axes in front of our faces forever. (laughs) I mean, that worked pretty (laughs) well last time, but it's not going to work for all of us. Just knock one of them out, steal their rabbit mask, and join the group. Uh, There you go. uh, Fine. You've you've convinced me. Uh, We're rabbit people now. (laughs) From outside. Again, we're not here to convert you, <laughs> just to kill you. So you're here to convert us from living people into dead people. 
And Allison turns to Gigi and goes, how can you joke at a time like this? I have to. What else am I going to do? Burst into tears? I've thought about it a couple of times. Yeah, me too. What's going on? Let's grab, uh, let's grab things to hold up in front of us. We're going to be running in, in reach of uh, arrows. Um, Jason, your car's out there, isn't there? Isn't it? Yeah, and that's kind of what I was thinking. Ski, yeah. we got to get to the Jeep. Again, I yelled down the hallway. Still trying to move the wardrobe. And if you want to grab doors, there's doors on this wardrobe. Yeah, I'll, I'll grab a, a wardrobe door. Uh, you start wrenching off uh, doors from the wardrobe to hopefully use as, as makeshift shields. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so so you're doing that. And then um, you've got a uh, – there's two doors on the cabinet big enough to, you know, use as kind of blocking a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's – of course, there's four of you if Skeen ever comes back from the hallway. Skeen better come back. What if we just, like, uh, grouped together really close – and uh, held them up. <laughs> Skeen, you all right back there? No sound. Oh, shit. Um, <sighs> Damn it. Let me go back there. <sighs> Gigi goes running back into danger? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I think I have a poker. Does that sound right to you guys? Yeah, you took the poker. Yes. For, um, because you, you, and, Jess, uh, you right. and Jason argued over it right. uh, last time. Yes, that's why he ended up with knives. Yes, I'm going to take the poker and I'm going to go searching for Skeen. The search for Skeen. There's your episode title. Gigi, uh, you head back down the hallway. It's it's dark. Of course, there are windows to outside, and there are torches outside, and there's plenty of light coming from the living room. But you leave that behind uh, very quickly, and the shadows seem to pull in on all sides as you creep down the hallway with the poker held high above you, ready to smack at anything that may come along. And you work your way down. There's a doorway on your left, uh, but you don't think that's where Skeen was going. The sound of the breaking glass came from further back in the cabin. And there is a door all the way back at the end of the hallway. And it is not entirely closed. It's, only, it's open just a crack as if somebody went through it fast and it kind of swung back and almost closed on its own. Wait, Gigi, we should stay together. So um, I grab Allison, put a knife in her hand, and say, and and start to follow Gigi down the hall. Jason, foregoing his uh, potential survival point by saying we ought to stay together. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> Strength in numbers at this point over my yeah, fair, trying fair. to hit the horror Survival scope. has... Right. <laughs> Survival instinct has uh, taken over. But Gigi, you're already almost to that door. Do you wait on the others or do you go ahead and push it open? Again, it's been several moments now with no sound of the gun or of Skeen. But you do hear something uh, past the door. I'd like to listen at the door first. Go ahead then and uh, give me an identify She just check. rolled last, so it's your roll. Oh, that's true. Yeah, oh, you... Yeah. I, I'm going to learn the rules to this game eventually. By the end of the season, I'll have them down. <laughs> By the last episode. Oh, that's a 10 and an 8. <sighs> so even without modifications, that's 18. Well, that beats even... Even because I was going to make an argument to use my Snoop as the uh, as the thing, as the DC. But uh, that would still even be a 17, so... And that's not even adding in any bonuses there. Uh, so, yeah, you hear something, but you're not quite sure how to 
you can't identify the sound. It's a it's like if you were maybe like if you were pulling a blanket across a like a the back of a sofa. I mean, you just heard that sound recently as Allison grabbed a blanket off of the uh, couch in the front room. So that's the closest thing you can think of at the moment. Can I see any part of the room through the uh, slightly open door? It's dark in there. You can see some. It, what is that back room, Jason? Um, the back room, there's uh, one of the bedrooms as well as a bathroom. And there's also a supply closet. So this would probably be the bedroom then, because uh, there was a breaking window sound from back here. So, Gigi, the others are almost caught up with you now. I'll hold up my hand to him in like a universal stop gesture and uh, with the tip of the poker, poke open the door. The door swings open onto a dark bedroom. Uh, You see a very rustic, wooden, rough beam hewn uh, bed frame with a a big queen size bed on it. Uh, There's a dresser. Uh, The floor is wood planks like the rest of the um, cabin is. But uh, this one is covered with several rugs, although the rugs are tousled about. You see that the reason for that is that uh, one of the rabbit-headed intruders is busy dragging. And in fact, they are already halfway out of the window, but they're dragging Skeen, uh, Skeen's body with them. And... Uh, you see that the shotgun is laying right there underneath the window as well, where apparently it flew to. I'm trying to decide whether to hit them with the poker or <laughs> pick up the shotgun. Yeah, the shotgun is right there where they both are. Okay, I'm But they going might to... hear me if I try to grab the shotgun. <laughs> Sorry, Jason. Um, I was going to say, Gigi, duck, as I whip one of the knives out and throw it at the rabbit-headed fool climbing out the window. All right. Hit the floor. Well, roll your attack. Your and assault. this is using my sleight-of-hand circus dexterity, because I did do knife throwing. Ooh. Let me contemplate that for a moment. Oh, okay. He's as I stroke my beard thusly. Throwing a knife literally, and he has a background in knife throwing, and you're like, hmm, let me... Just- hmm. <laughs> okay, I will allow it. Okay. Um, that's a double eight, uh, plus my nine. So yeah, that's 25. Nah. 25. Uh, and that's a double eight. So do to... I get a uh, survival point back? <gasps> oh yeah. Doubles. <sighs> oh, thank yes. God. That is doubles on a success because that is definitely a success. Yay. Yay. I'm so Yay. glad. <laughs> that one loses a survival point. Mark the one that I did last time too. Does that mess with the tension? Tension points go up one. Jeez. The knife uh, just takes this one right in the mask, and the person, presumably the person who is underneath the mask, uh, howls out in pain and falls backward, dropping Skeen, who slides limply to the floor of the bedroom. Gigi, what do you do? You just ducked, but what are you doing in that same moment as he throws? Seeing what's happening, I think I'm going to like scramble forward uh, like on all fours. I want to, um, I guess, check out the window because my next thought is that we should go out the window and go out the back of the house. As you scramble forward, 
the rabbit-headed one who was off to the right <sighs> in the shadows <laughs> moves forward quickly out of the shadows. You see the glint of metal in its hand, and that metal then jams into your side. Roll, GG. Um, well, protect or escape. Yeah, yeah. So I'm rolling uh, escape. That's what it is. Well, you can make an argument for something else, but that would be the most obvious choice, yes. Um, just on principle, though, for specializations, does that apply to only one part of your um, attribute pair, like Assault Protect? Can you use a specialization for both Assault and Protect, or is it just one? Once you have claimed a specialization, uh, you can use it in any circumstances where you can argue for its use. Gotcha. However, if you are using it more than 50% of the time then it is a too generalized a thing. Yeah, no, just curious. I was going to, uh, I took boxing instead of any other kind of martial thing. Well, that's just great. Well, it's a 14. Uh, can I use my own dead of night cheat sheet to look up what you spend survival points for? Can't you re-roll a single? Yeah, there it goes. Re-roll a single check. Mm -hmm. If you spend a survival point on that, yes. Or you can also flip an attribute pair. Yeah, well, uh, that actually might be help more helpful because that would make it a um, 16. Uh, let me see what I can do with my survival points. Not my tension points, but my survival points. <laughs> I could spend a survival point to negate your survival point expenditure. Rude. But um, <laughs> since even with your reroll, I still win. Oh, no. So you lose two survival points. Dang, that's bad. That's no good at all. All right. Things are not looking good here. The knife, you feel it cold, um, hard, go into your side, go between some ribs, just dig in deep. Then he yanks it out and jams it in again, and then one more time. And then we go to Carl in his hospital room on the other side of the island. Carl, uh, you have mostly untangled yourself from the things keeping you alive, uh, and <laughs> in the doorway... Uh, is the always familiar form of your wife. I'm assuming that I haven't actually done much standing up. I'm kind of on the edge of the bed, pulling out uh, everything that could be pulled out. And there's also that awkward moment of the hospital gown. So as he's contemplating that, that's when he looks up and sees the, the figure in the doorway. And he just kind of stops what he's doing. And Carl looks up at this such you know, this familiar form. And you can see in his eyes that he, he's, he's sad. Because he knows that what he's seeing is something that he wants to be there, but he knows it's not real. It's just, it just can't be real. She is suddenly standing right in front of you without ever having moved from the door. And Carl doesn't flinch, not because he wasn't startled, but because once again, this form was so familiar and that closeness and that intimacy is something that is familiar, something he had longed for so many times and... He, again, just kind of takes a deep breath and sighs. And she looks down at you, smiles, uh, reaches out a hand, and just barely uh, touches the side of your face. And you don't feel it, but you smell her again just for a moment, that almost scent of your wife. Uh, but then she says, Oh, Carl, I guess this isn't working then, is it? And the face contorts and elongates, and the mouth opens wide, and there is a howling void uh, beyond. And we cut from there <laughs> Holy crap. to the woods, 
near the cabin where Jason and Gigi and Allison and Skeen are trying to fight off their rabbit-headed assailants. But we are a little further away than there. We are down at the road. And in fact, we are a little ways back from the turnoff that goes up to the house. Um, A little ways down the road from Skeen's 1937 Auburn convertible speedster, where it sits still in the ditch. And a figure steps out of the woods, roughly where Jason saw a figure earlier in the evening, one that made him stop and then look back and see nothing. But that was because that figure had slipped back into the woods, not sure of what or where uh, it was. And now that figure comes out into the light, and we see that it is a person, a man, and he looks around and hears the same shotgun blast that originally drew Gigi and Jason up quickly to the cabin. What does that figure do, Richard? Your other character sheet for the evening. Interesting. I, um, sorry, I'm a little taken aback. I was like, where's this going? <laughs> and, uh, this is kind of Who's neat. this NPC? <laughs> Too enthralled with the story. You're like, yeah. Deal it out, Patrick. Let's see what's going to happen. And then, Let's oh, yeah, it. it's my oh, turn. Wait. It's me. Yeah, I, I fear that I did not give Richard uh, much in the way of warning for this, or rather, <laughs> I suspect that what he thought he was doing was not what he's winding up doing. <laughs> so do I feel any sense of uh, awareness of where I am? Uh, the first thing is that it's cold. It's... It's in the woods. It feels uh, like the Pacific Northwest from the the way that the trees are and such. But as far as specifics, uh, you wouldn't necessarily know. No. Uh, so I look around, and who is closest to me? Um, no one. So they were on up the road a little ways where Skeen's car was off the side of the road. And uh, I, it's quite likely that actually you can see them now as the Jeep turns up the road and starts heading in the direction of the uh, sound of the shotgun blast. But of course, the Jeep itself is rather alien. But you, you would recognize, though, the, um, the, the other car, the one that's in the ditch. Uh, did I hear the shotgun blast? Yes. And I'm going to run that direction. As the figure steps out onto the road, almost gingerly onto the tarmac, um, the Light from the moon above shines on his face, and we see that this figure, a man in his 20s? Uh, yeah, he'd be pretty about that right. Uh, in his early 20s, dressed in uh, military uh, fatigues from World War II, and he has a uh, rifle slung across his back. He's got a helmet that he's wearing, and the features that we see in the moonlight beneath the helmet are those of a much younger Carl Kane. What? Oh, camouflage. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I thought this wasn't the musical episode. I'm as confused as everyone else. (laughs) As things start becoming more clear, you know where the cabin is now, and, and you recognize the car, so that would place it for you on the island now that you have a few moments to kind of get your bearings, which isn't, of course, making too much sense to you. 
So do you run um, through the woods? You're pretty sure you can, you know the woods well enough that you you can find a shorter way up to the cabin, which is where that sounded like it came from. Yeah, Carl was somebody who spent a lot of time in in those woods. Uh, it was it sometimes his only refuge from, you know, being around his family. And, uh, you know, plus he was he was always the explorer. He was always the one to, to go out and, uh, you know, want to see in the surroundings. So he knows these woods, even though it took him a moment to realize that that's where he is. Uh, but the the gun the gunfire that that shotgun blast really shook him into some level of awareness. So yeah, he takes off along that shortest path that he can find. You um, rush into the woods, Carl. Go ahead and uh, give me a hmm, pursue check. Sound good? As you are trying to make your way uh, through these woods that you haven't been in for a while, you've been in a lot of other woods since then, and uh, now you're trying to make these memories come back. Uh, moving down to the other stat block. Uh, ooh, that is, that is only a 13. Do you want to spend a survival point? Younger Carl will have a uh, five. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Look at all those survival points. That's a lot. That's like a normal person's survival points. Um, yeah, what the heck? I will go ahead and re-roll that. They, they were fun while they lasted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness, that is quite a bit better, though. Uh, that's a 17. Here, seven, here seven episodes in, I am uh, much more liberal about um, y- y- making you guys spend survival <laughs> points. <laughs> I'm sorry, what did uh, you get, It's a Carl? 17 total. 17 total, is, that beats your, that beats the 15 that you're looking for on that one. I don't spend anything to make you lost. Oh, no. So... With the bright light of the moon and uh, your memory of the forest, uh, you make your way up through the trees, moving as fast as you can, but also almost instinctively dodging from one tree to the next. You can hear the engine of the Jeep off to your left, but it gets a little further away as it has to go uh, to follow the road as it goes up. Uh, and in a practice motion, while I'm doing that, he's going to unsling that rifle, uh, give it a quick check to make sure that it's in order. And uh, has, does he have an inkling that there are other people about, or is the Jeep pretty much the only sound that he hears? There was the shotgun blast, but um, let me uh, let me find out. I'm going to roll an obscure against your identify. I got, um, what did I get? 22. Uh, that that's a lot. <laughs> that's so many. That that is that is yeah. a lot. I don't I don't think there's any way that I could have not uh, had that. I like these non-roll twenty dice. These real physical <laughs> dice that I'm rolling much better. I have rolled um in all in what the very few rolls that I have done so far. I have rolled a ten on three of them. Uh, I mean, one of the dice has come up with a natural ten. Patrick, I think you ought to start using roll twenty again. It's just so much more convenient, and you don't have to like pick up the dice in your in your hand. And it's better for us. <laughs> and it's better for the environment. Just think about the environment, Patrick. So uh, seeing nothing, you, yeah. So Carl sees nothing. So he's just continuing on at at speed. Yeah, I'm trying to you know make that. It's kind of that practice maneuver now. That that uh, somewhat crouched military run. It's cautious but fast. And uh, you know the the jeep is. Probably why he didn't notice anything else, because, well, you know, he obviously knows what a vehicle is. Um, 
And, you know, Jeeps look somewhat similar to what they used to in many ways, but this is obviously foreign as well. Uh, so it, it's it's disconcerting, it's confusing, and he's just a little too focused on what that is. But since that's the only sound, he's going to run that direction uh, and move closer to the Jeep. As you're moving through the woods, again, uh, you're getting a dappled light from the moonlight coming down through the tall pines. There is a breeze blowing in the upper levels of the pines, causing the trees to creak. There are the occasional sounds of animals, uh, an owl hoots uh, somewhere. And then you see figures, and they appear almost magically in front of you. But you know how things are in, in a battlefield situation where the enemy can just suddenly be there. And there are three of them. And they have seen you already, at least one of them, and maybe more, uh, has weapons, but not guns. Uh, looks like they have bows, bow and arrows. And one of them lifts a bow up and pulls back and releases an arrow at you, Carl. I have already rolled here, so it's your turn. And will this be a protect? Uh, if that's what you would like to go with. I don't know if I can make an argument for anything else. Any good specializations for young Carl? Uh, not really. So I think it's, yes, it's going to have to be protect. And I'm going to hope for a good dice roll. I'm going to try to roll that on the table. Um, okay, so that is going to be a 16, but I rolled double sixes. Ooh. Ooh. Um, well... Unfortunately, it's not quite a success. It is just shy. So, of course, you could try to re-roll. I mean, getting a, a 17 or higher is is pretty tough, but it's not, you know, impossible. It feels important, so I'm, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to re-roll again. Here goes the re-roll. Okay. I need to use some of my tension points. Look at all these tension points I have. Oh, my God. That's so many tension points. I've got 13 <laughs> tension <Jeez>. points. <laughs> oh, We're all going to die. I have a 10 and an 8 on the die, so that gives me the 22 this time. Ooh, take that. I could use some of these tension points and bring that roll down anyway and cost you a bunch of uh, survival points here. Oh, man, is it that kind of night? You should just keep hoarding them like a dragon and never use them. Yeah, I, I, I'm just, I'm collecting them. <laughs> I'm just I'm just hoarding tension points. It almost makes me feel like I'm using them wrong. <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm going to, like, pour over the guide now and make sure. <laughs> 22. Um, so I just need to spend five. Good grief. Actually, six, I think. So I will spend my six, and that arrow uh, strikes you in the shoulder, spins you around, costs you a survival point. So I'll take one of those back. My tension. So for those That's listening so who, can't see the, <laughs> who can't see the survival tracker, uh, we started at seven. We went up to 13. We went back to seven because during the course of this very short time we've been recording, we accumulated six tension points. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of fighting going yeah. <laughs> on. And so this is also, I mean, you know, the people have been listening. They've been wanting you to burn through some of these because the first like three or four episodes here on Elk Island you know, hardly any rolls at all. Oh, oh well. Yeah, so this arrow's, um, like, gone through. You can feel it having pierced your shoulder, Carl. It, it goes all the way through the muscle. Uh, misses the bone, uh, but the wicked, wicked, really sharp, like, four-pointed blade has, you know, comes out the, uh, has come out the back. It's actually cleared your skin, but it didn't go all the way through you. 
So you've got this arrow sticking out of you, and it did. The force of it was enough. Uh, the the figure that you strangely register as being a bipedal rabbit or wearing a weird gas mask or something, as this really you know burly rabbit guy starts to reach back and pull another arrow out of his quiver. And well, although the arrow does you know obviously hurts, that's that's painful. Uh, you know, Carl's been in battle before, and this is not his first time being wounded. Uh, so he knows to remain that focus and try to shove away the pain as much as possible. So he's going to do what he was trained to do and snap down to a crouch, pull the gun up, and fire. That would be me rolling protect. <laughs> that can't be good. Oh, oh no. He, he's, he's way too happy about that roll. I, that is another 10 no! on one of the dice. It's only a two on the other one, but it is yet another 10. <laughs> so, well, I mean, they only have a three in protect, but still um, 12. Um, so 15. What is your passive assault? 16. Woo! Oh, man, I'm so close. Oh, wait, I have tension points. I can spend oh, no. on my stuff or yours. <laughs> yeah, make him use the tension points. So I will spend those two tension <laughs> points to make it a solid success on my part and you fire but uh, one of them shouts kind of muffled gun and they scatter to either side the one in the middle just sort of crouches down uh, it's a smaller figure but then that one also dives for a a tree what do you do carl he's so out of sorts just because there's so much happening in such a a, a short period of time and while all those battle instincts are in and he wants to just charge at them. That's what every fiber of his being is saying, push, push, push. Instead, he just kind of stops. He has that moment where he realizes something is wrong here. Something isn't right, but he doesn't know what it is. Uh, but knowing that, that, that kind of tactical side of his brain kicks in and says, hey, if you just go on instinct, you might be doing what they expect you to do. So do something they don't expect you to do. <laughs> and he stops and says, uh, rabbit people, uh, why are you attacking me? I mean no harm to your culture. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not here to hurt. I'm not even certain why I'm here or why you're here. But must, must you, must you continue to fire your arrows at me, or can we talk this out? Zakar, you shout that out, and a voice comes back, kind of muffled, but it, it calls out Joshua. Carl's like that. Uh, Joshua, uh, no, uh, that I love that name though. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I could be. <laughs> the middle figure, the the one that uh, was slower to move, stands up and puts their hands kind of up and out, you know, like in the universal symbol of "please don't shoot me," and steps out from the tree where they were and reaches up, and even while one of the others says, "No, don't." takes off the rabbit head and you see that there's a uh, that underneath is a middle-aged woman um, very pretty with uh, long blonde hair oh and she says <laughs> and she says I, I don't understand you and she comes closer and and sees you there in the moonlight you look just like Joshua what do you do um stall for time <laughs> <laughs> I'm not certain I understand either. Maybe I am Joshua. I, I things are a little fuzzy uh, uh, for my memory. 
She comes even closer, and and yeah, you see she's in her 40s. She's still got in fairly expensive earrings, and she just looks at you, and she goes, yeah, you're almost, but not quite. There's something, yeah, there's a difference. You're not, who are you? Why, why don't you start? Maybe it'll start to make sense. Why are you shooting arrows at me? I've done nothing to you. Well, why are you out in the woods in the middle of the night, darling? I, I heard the, the shotgun blast. I came running to see if there was trouble. Mm-hmm. Well, you look like a cane to me. No matter how close you look to Joshua, it's because you look that close that, uh, yeah, you're a ca- he's a cane, I'm sure of it. I just don't know which one. He wasn't one of the ones that the inherited. And you have something against the canes? Well, now, darling, I guess that's uh, that's for you to find out. And then you uh, realize that there is motion coming in on you from the side. Clever girl. We will cut over to the uh, cabin where another encounter is taking place. Gigi, you have just had a knife plunge into you a couple of times. And now that uh, figure, he drops the knife. And he's running for the window. Gigi, you don't really have the ability uh, or wherewithal at this point to do anything. But uh, Jason, uh, what do you want to do? Yeah, uh, as soon as I saw the bunny figure moving out of the shadows towards Gigi, I would have started running down the hall, um, lifting the the hatchet high and trying to go for this thing. Um uh, it seems like I was probably too late to save for the stabbing. Uh, I would still be trying to follow it out the window and trying to take a swing at it as best I could. Are you trying to take a swing at it or grab the figure and pull him back in? Let's go with, uh, let's just go a swing at the moment. Okay. That is going to be an assault. Come on, dice. Oh, okay. That's like really awesome. Uh, that's 24. Nice. 24. Goodness. Well, against their protect, which is not great, uh, as previously expressed. Um, oh, I can't. Uh, we're below 10. I can't spend tension points on protect on um, my on changing the role for assault protect at this point. Woo! So it doesn't matter if I had enough to be able to do it or not. Thank goodness for young Carl, the only competent one in the woods tonight. Who brought the tension level down some with his stopping to talk. (laughs) Gain one because they're going to lose another one of their survival points. Okay. Uh, So tell me what this looks like. Okay. Um, Jason notices the shadow. He sees the glint of the knife. He sees it going for Gigi, and he just finds himself in a mad dash to try and do whatever he can to stop this. As he nears, he sees Gigi start to slump to the floor, and almost in slow motion, like a rabbit is trying to jump away from an attacking fox, it starts to leap for the window as Jason finally draws near and swings at it with its axe and catches it um, right in the back of the neck. Again, he's somewhat protected by the mask and and the heavy cloaks that he's wearing, which also slow him down some. He gets kind of turned around and he half reaches for for it, but he's still got the momentum and he kind of he tumbles out of the broken window and onto the onto the ground below uh, some what eight feet or so. 
As previously noted, the cabin is raised up off of the ground some. And then Allison is yelling behind you, yelling Gigi's name and crying out and, and rushing to her side. Uh, my question is, ooh, yeah, did the axe stick and did it go out the window with the bunny man? Uh, it did, unless you would like to spend a survival point on that. <laughs> At this point, I will let the um, axe go. <laughs> <laughs> what, are you, what are you at there, Jason? Uh, three. So, I mean, I could kind of afford it, but uh, I've, I, I have a feeling that we still have a good run to the Jeep to try and escape what's going on. Yeah. Um, uh, so, I, uh, at this point, I would turn back to GG and see what's really going on there. Um, grabbing a blanket or whatever is handy to help stop the blood and apply pressure as soon as possible. And you do so, um, and you're starting to get the the blood flow is slowing. You're conscious, Gigi. So how are you reacting to this? Yeah, when you uh, when you put pressure on it. Well, first of all, Gigi slumped face first into the carpet and was grumbling. Oh, I'm gonna be killed by buddy Mormons. And um, <laughs> when you when you put pressure on it, uh, I make a noise like Wesley in uh, Princess Bride when Miracle Max presses on his chest, just like. <laughs> just like she is whining she is not a happy injured person uh, can you can you can you move can you walk can you can you get up i can wiggle my toes um, a bit short of breath at the moment how bad is this wound does it look like it could have pierced major organs lungs uh, liver kidney spleen uh, it looks like it missed most of the vital organs although it would really require a um, a non-risky um identify check to um to be sure. I just rolled, so that wouldn't be on me. Right. Uh, I guess it's going to be on, um, you know, Sharon, Gigi is, uh, you know, squirming around here. You're really trying to, you know, not on purpose, but you're obscuring <laughs> this um, this uh, wound uh, from Jason's examination. So go ahead and roll. Obscure. Obscure. Okay. Uh, I brought dice with me this time, unlike normal, but uh, I still don't want to roll if I don't have to. Yeah, um, unfortunately, it's my first good roll of the night with a 20 total. (laughs) (laughs) I'm fine. I need some help standing up and um, maybe a walker or a wheelchair. Do we have ramps? I should get ramps installed. Uh, More glass breaks from the front room and you hear the uh, front door uh, finally crash open because you guys had already taken down part of the uh, cabinet that had, had been pushed up against it. And you hear a voice yell out, Come on out! We won't kill you right away. Get out here! That's great comfort in my time of distress. Allison, lock the door. <laughs> she slams the door closed <laughs> and, uh, like, flips the little door <laughs> latch that's on it. Now get over here and, and help, help Gigi stand. I'm going to check on Skeen. Um, at this point, I'm going to go uh, feel for a pulse on Skeen to see if they are alive, as well as secure the sc- the shotgun. Yeah, so it looks like uh, Skeen uh, was hit over the head with something heavy. And uh, looking around, you can see what that probably was. You'd seen it before in here. A boot um, remover kind of thing. It's a big iron thing that you put you put your boot heel on so you can take it off without having to pry the whole thing off that's um nearby and there's actually a clump of hair still in it too once i know that skin is alive and have a hold of the shotgun i'm gonna try oh i didn't say they were alive but okay so is are they alive i'm feeling for a pulse 
Yeah, we'll go for your identify. Okay. If you roll above a 15, then they are. <laughs> I swear to God. Or I just don't know. <laughs> roll above a 15. That is above a 15. That yes. is a 16, exactly. <laughs> With my three identify. You determine that there is a a intermittent breath and pulse. Uh, Skeen does appear to still be alive, but quite, quite unconscious. Um, I will... Noticing that it's a nasty head wound, I will try to gently see if I can rouse Skeen. As you're trying to do that, back out in the woods, young Carl, you are being approached from uh, either side now, apparently um, swiftly by uh, opponents. Uh, can I see the cabin from where I am? Uh, no, you're still a little ways from the cabin. Um, this, it's not a long way, but it's, it's probably another um, five minutes or so. What you do see is a clearing nearby uh, where there uh, is a fair bit of light uh, from torches and such that are just starting to light up, uh, which would explain why you didn't see them earlier. So it's Hail Mary time. I know I'm surrounded. I'm outnumbered. It's not looking good. I have an arrow in my shoulder. My first gambit didn't work. So he's going to fall on back on some even older instincts, more of a familiar instinct, and he's going to lie his pants off. <laughs> And he's going to kind of dip the front of his gun down to make it look like he's being a little less threatening. And he's going to say to the woman in blonde, who appears to be in her 40s, and I appear in my 20s, I look like Joshua because I'm his son. Uh, roll persuade. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, what do we got here? That's pretty decent. That's a 23. Ooh. I'm a cane. I'm good at lying. <laughs> <laughs> 23. All right. Very nice. You see her eyes widen and then kind of narrow. And she says, I knew the bastard was cheating on me. <laughs> Who with? Who with? But she does make a motion and the other two stop uh, moving in on you. Her, her, her name was her name was Sally. <laughs> I, I didn't get to know her much, but I'm, I'm here to find out. I'm here to understand. <laughs> I was hoping you could tell me more. Hmm. All right, put that gun down, and uh, we've got some business that we're taking care of here, but I do wish to talk, you and I. So uh, you you just, uh, darling, you just go right friendly-like with my friends here, and uh, and then we'll uh, we'll see what's what. Uh, if, if you're willing to tell me and explain all of this, are I, you I, sure? Yeah, and, he, and he'll kind of, you know, bring the rifle up and point it upwards, you know, in more of a practice motion, sling it over his shoulder. The other two uh, rabbit-headed people approach you, and one does make a move to uh, take the gun from you. Do you resist that? I'll just kind of instinctively turn a little bit. I don't remember disarming being part of the deal. I did say put the gun down, not sling it back over your shoulder. Fair enough. And I'll, you know, slide the gun down into the ground so he can, it'll be happy right there, I suppose. All right. Boys, bring him over to the... To the circle. I think we have some talking to do. Suddenly she's from Arkansas rather than, uh, you know, than Georgia. <laughs> she moved around a lot. Okay. Uh, back at the cabin. Okay. So many things going on. <laughs> so, uh, rabbit-headed people are breaking in on all sides of the cabin. Gigi, you're bleeding, but you're, you don't feel like you're going to die immediately. You're losing a lot of blood, and it hurts like hell. You're even maybe a little dizzy. Mm -hmm. uh, from the blood loss, but uh, still, you're you're up and going. So, what do you guys do? 
Um, is there still like a bunch of glass sticking out of the window frame? Um, there's glass shards around, but it's not like, and probably still some in the window frame, but not like lots. Yeah, because they came in where the shards would be, or not the. It's not the base of the right. window frame. It would be like on the top in the upper frame of the window. Is there like um ah heck it? I'm just gonna go out the window. <laughs> I was gonna. I was gonna jump see if right a... over me, bending over, skiing, checking their bolts. <laughs> yeah. Gigi goes jumping over me Just out through the window. Leapfrogs out. I'm bleeding. <laughs> we. No, I mean we need to. We need to get out somehow. And the window's right there, and you know it's reasonably clear uh, of of glass. So we gotta go. All right. Uh, go ahead and roll escape. Oh, no. um, <laughs> uh, I have a quick question before I do anything. Could <laughs> could I count having gone down the hallway to see if I could find Skeen by myself doing a cliche or a, you know whatever the wording is for like the partaking in a horror movie cliche? I'm yes, I will trying to that. angle for another survival point. <laughs> okay. All right. So I'm rolling escape. <laughs> Man, it's not my night, guys. It's I gotta re-roll it. I'm gonna spend that survival point you just gave me. Okay, that's that's better. That's a seventeen. You go tumbling out the window, not gracefully. In fact, as you go out, you end up not just like jumping out, but you because of the stitch in your side from the wound. Uh, you get one knee up on the windowsill, and then you, you kind of try to push out, but you push up too high, <laughs> and you hit that upper window frame, and you realize that it's going to like come down, and those, those uh, jagged teeth of glass are just going to bite right into you. But at that point, you actually accidentally slip, and you fall forward, and uh, just by sheer luck, land on the <laughs> corpse of a rabbit-headed... A uh, figure that's lying there at the base of the window with an axe sticking out of his neck. I'm okay. <laughs> Jason? Yeah, uh, well, that's good. Uh, Allison, um, do you need any help out the window? <laughs> Allison looks at you, her eyes wide, um, looking all around, and is already halfway out the window. Okay. And climbing <laughs> down. Um, any of the previous rousing attempts with skiing, uh, were any of them uh, successful? I believe you are trying to persuade them to be conscious again, I guess. So give that a go. I will. Making you guys roll so much in these past two episodes. 18. It's to make up for the architecture one. 18. They are not wanting to be uh, conscious. <laughs> it, it was all very, very nasty. Dang. And... 15 is the passive. Yeah, so Skeen starts coming back around. Ah, uh, oh, God, my head. Skeen, if you think you're going to be okay, we're trying to get out of here. Can you climb out the window? What? Who? Come on, let me help you out. Gigi, grab grab Skeen as, as we get them out the window. <laughs> I'm lying flat on my back on the corpse of the bunny man, and I just lift my arms up. <laughs> <laughs> Allison reaches up and helps get Skeen down. <laughs> And then I will follow with the shotgun in hand. At which point, there are rabbit figures out in the woods surrounding the back of the house, too. Uh, they have not been um, quiet during this time. Uh, they have lit their torches now so that they are more easily seen as the 
uh, fearful creatures that they are, the, the light uh, shining on just like one side of a rabbit mask here and there. Uh, for someone in your business, the business you have been in, Jason, perhaps the first thought you think seeing all of them is, where did they get all of these masks in bulk? <laughs> <laughs> but you see a, a number of bows, rays, and a voice call out, give it up. For Gigi, the most fabulous dying person. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And they, and they start to move in. What do you want with us? They want to murder us, my friend. Yeah. I don't, I don't even <laughs> know why I'm asking that. spelled it out for us. Uh, why are you so intent upon murdering us? It is, a matter of, is it a matter of disliking the Canes? Because I can assure you that we are in the same boat there. As a matter of fact, I think nothing so Canish as disliking the Canes. Your like or dislike has nothing to do with the blood that runs through your veins. Oh, that's too bad. I left a lot of it on the cabin floor if you want to go murder that. Uh, it, when I noticed all of the massive amounts of the same bunny heads, and I wonder how they got them in bulk, did I notice anyone that had a different head? Not here. Damn it! <laughs> They're closing in, and you are quite outnumbered, but they don't seem to be shooting you at this point. If you want your chance, perhaps you should just come with us. Raising my oh. shotgun towards that specific one that I heard speaking. I would holler out, listen, I didn't choose to have this blood. I was rejected. Oh, that's true. Um, he got adopted out of the family specifically to no longer be a part of it. And um, it's only by the frankly irritating machinations of an old man that uh, he's here at all. So be it, says the voice, and arrows fly. What? No. As they whistle through the air, you both hear a voice in your heads. It's a voice that's incredibly familiar and yet completely unknown to you. And Haven Harrow says, Find the lost. And then, with a shock, you are waking up in the library of the house. Wow. <laughs> Next time on oh The Gothic Podcast. God. Oh my dear God. <laughs> oh no. It's getting weird. <sighs> The Gothic Podcast is an actual play audio drama produced by C. Patrick Nagel, starring C. Patrick Nagel, Sharon Gallery Lafournaise, Jesse Baldwin, and Nathan Addison. Theme music is by Zoe Hovland, with cover artwork by Jared George Art. Season 2 of The Gothic Podcast uses rules from the Monster of the Week RPG by Michael Sands and the Dead of the Night RPG by Steam Power Publishing, written by Andrew Kenrick. Look us up by name on all the social medias or email us at thegothicpodcast at gmail.com. Support for The Gothic Podcast comes from you, our listeners, so please rate, review, and share. And we have a Patreon page, too. Thanks for listening. Should we stop recording? Mm. Uh, unless we're going to say something cool and funny that can go on to the recording. This is a recording. cool and funny thing that can go on to the recording. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>